The following program is being brought to you on the 7th Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit 7thWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. You can not only learn from your mistakes, you can celebrate them. They define who you are and serve as a learning tool to become your most beautiful self ever. Welcome to Beyond Religion, Your Life is Waiting, with your host, Jim Stacy. Jim is the author of 11 books and is here to help you experience the power of the divine deep within yourself. It's inside you. You just have to know where and how to look for it. Now, here is Jim Stacy. Welcome to Beyond Religion, Your Life is Waiting. This is Jim Stacy, your host. You can find me at one of the following three places. You can go to my website, which is www.thedivineiswithinus.com, or on Facebook, the same five words, The Divine Is Within Us. By email, the same five words, The Divine Is Within Us at gmail.com. Please send me any questions, thoughts, or comments, and I will be very happy to answer those and uh, get back to you in any way that I can, either on this show or personally. Today's topic is overcoming guilt and shame. I suggest that you get some paper and a pen for taking notes a bit later in the show, because I don't just want to talk about ideas and, and concepts. I want to give practical steps that you can take and adapt to your own experience. In the history of the world, nothing has wounded humanity like the twin bondage of guilt and shame. Nothing. All human smallness is the result of these. All human acting out in judging and condemning others has its roots in these. All wars have been started because of some form of guilt and shame and men feeling a need to conquer others because of their own fears. Fears created out of, usually, guilt and shame. Men mistreat women out of their own guilt and shame. People bully others, hate others, assault others, and perpetuate the wounding of humanity as they act out their own fears of being punished. Before men go to war and conquer others and kill them, enslave them, or torture them, commit genocide and more, they first must find reasons to make those other people to be worse than themselves. And then, when their picture is complete, in their own minds, that is, there is no other alternative but to slaughter them and get rid of those bad people. The excuse is, they just don't see things like we see them. They have to be wrong. And yet all of this nonsense comes out of their own deep inner need to feel more right about themselves than they do about others, or to feel better than others in some make-believe kinds of ways. But why does the killing of those they strongly dislike seem to be the answer for their own problems? Does the silencing of others' voices make their views more right? What happens deep in the psyche that such heinous behavior becomes justified and to them seems normal? There's a common thread in all of humanity's excuses to kill 
to wound, to capture, to control, to punish, and to imprison other human beings. To conquer the world is only a cover-up for refusing to see others who are different as equal to themselves. But what is that common thread that in making uh, other people to be worse than oneself? It is the thread that comes out of all patriarchal, man-made religions. It is the worst of human behaviors. It is the rope around the neck of humanity. It is the cauldron of the worst of all human behavior. That common thread, it's what I call the doormat syndrome. Have you ever felt like someone is wiping their feet on you with their negativity, their judgments, and their criticism of you? Of course, we've all had that experience, and far too many times, may I say. But the doormat syndrome is what people feel because they have also been judged, condemned, criticized, shamed, belittled, and in many ways made to feel less than others. That doormat problem happens when we believe the lies of the judgments of other people then we actually feel like we deserve those judgments that are thrown at us. But if we were able to push them all away, rise above them, and live as though no one had ever done that to us, that would be a great place to be living. And in this series of talk shows, I'll be sharing with you how you can do just that and live above all that comes at you from those who are wanting to treat you as a doormat. At the same time, you can learn to be honest about what the mistakes you've made, the things that need to be changed deep within, and you can learn to celebrate every mistake that you've ever made. I'll be doing a whole show on just that in a couple of weeks. But it is when we believe the lies that are hurled at us that we feel like doormats upon which people are wiping their feet. We feel that we are truly bad, wicked, or not worth anything. We're not able to do anything important. And oh, perhaps one of the biggest ones, we feel like we're not good enough. Or we're not capable of ever being anything but deserving of all the negative insinuations. But once we believe the lies about our badness, we then just allow others to keep wiping their feet on us. That must stop. And if you've been experiencing that, there is great hope for you. We are going to learn together how to do that and overcome it. But we can never grow into the most beautiful self that we truly are until we learn to do that. We actually don't even believe that we are beautiful in any way, but we are. We are far more beautiful than anyone has allowed us to be. We're far more beautiful than we've allowed ourselves to think about or accept. But only you can change you. Only you can change your beliefs. No one can change that for you, and that's the good news. But there's much more to who we think we are than just our beliefs. We have what is called by some an accumulated self-concept. In other words, all the beliefs, the ideas, the values, all the hopes, the dreams, the definitions of anything in our life, the self-image that we hold, and so much more goes into making up how we see ourselves. And how we see ourselves can always be adapted and changed. We don't need to see ourselves in any of the old patterns, but we can 
ever be changing those ways that we see ourselves. And that's the beautiful part for me about living life and developing into all that I want to be. When I talk about changing our beliefs, I'm talking about a life-transforming process that is required of us if we are going to give birth to that new person that we want to be. Stay tuned. There's much more to learn about this process. I've not only done this, I continue to do it. And it's a beautiful way to live. Beyond the smallness of guilt and shame, we can choose to live the life that we want. Absolutely guaranteed. So often we are taught to feel guilty. That shame is a learned belief. Neither shame or guilt has to be our continued experience. I wonder if you heard that deeply. Neither shame nor guilt has to ever be our continued experience. Take that deep within. Never, ever is there a lasting experience that you cannot move away from. They cannot remove from your past. Never, ever do you have to live in shame or guilt. And both this week and next week, I'm going to be sharing some insights to prove this and help you know more than ever before that you are never, ever deserving of the never-ending shame and the guilt that comes at us from other people. No one has the right to wipe their feet on you. You can learn to disarm all the negativity and overcome the lies about who you really are not. And that's the key, not believing any longer what we really are not. We can become aware claiming and doing our inner work of transformation, that is the key. We'll be looking at all of these in details in, in the next few weeks. But where does most of the shame and blame and guilt come from? What is the major source of feeling shamed and or feeling guilty? Who is the voice that is blaming us? Who teaches the ideas of guilt and shame? In one word, religion. At least that's my experience, and it's been the experience of millions of others, that religion has become the source of almost all guilt, shame, judgments, condemnations, accusations, and blame. But why religion? And I'm not just picking on that. I'm stating out of my own experience what happened to me and what I know has happened to so many others. Religion is the cause because of several reasons. Religion uses all those negatives that we've been talking about to create fear in the human mind and the human spirit. You show me one religion that doesn't do that, and I'll show you a rare religion. Fear is the hidden agenda behind religion that knows it's easier to control people when those people are living in fear. But before who <clears throat> or before what am I to be ashamed? Before who or what am I to feel guilty? Who said so? Why am I listening to them? Why have those voices become so powerful? I will choose for myself, just like the accusers have done in choosing for themselves. That other person that's doing the accusing is not more important than you. <clears throat> the very first thing that religions do to create their own uh, scenario is to create what they call their own <clears throat> holy book <clears throat> that is usually based upon some kind of magical stories. 
Then they claim that their book is the only truth from some deity or from some god up in the sky or whatever the case may be. And that deity that they have created is waiting up there to punish all those who dare not believe as they do. In their holy book is lurking that make-believe God that they've made up stories about. They use the contents of that book, which are always written by men who agree with them or men that, <laughs> that they like to agree with, to describe their own view of some deity. And they demand that you worship and obey or else. Each book describes a little bit different kind of a God. And there are some differences and similarities. But the bottom line is that their man-made holy book is designed to make you afraid, very afraid. The Bible, the Quran, and the Torah are all the same in that aspect. But here's just one example of a holy book gone bad. People agree that in the so-called Ten Commandments, which supposedly came from some God in the sky, or through Moses or whoever, they say that it's wrong to kill and to commit adultery. I've asked many people, is that true? And they, oh, I get a very strong, oh, yes, yes, it's very, very wrong to kill and very wrong to commit adultery because God said so. Then I asked them, then why did that same God later tell the men to kill all the other men and women and children and even to kill the babies? But if they found any virgins that they liked, they were to spare them and take them home for themselves. Yes, you heard that right. That horrific account is found in the book of Numbers, chapter 31, verses 17 and 18. <clears throat> I say, rape is not acceptable no matter what one's God might say. Never. <clears throat> the so-called holy book that I know most about is the Christian Bible. So I'll speak mostly about that one when I need to. Oh, yes, it contains some truth. But so many times, it contains things that are made up by, by men. I know that the church did. I know what they did in the early 4th century as they put their version of God's Word together, putting a bunch of writings together and then labeling it as they chose to label it. But the Christian church itself has never agreed on all it should be or not be in one single book of holy truth for mankind. And I think the fact that they do not agree <clears throat> is evidence that there's something wrong. So many stories are made up. So many things are put down in writing. But so many things are made up by human beings. Not only the judgments and the accusations and the things that they say to you, but the things that they have believed deep inside of their own self. So here we are in a world where there's a lot of guilt and shame floating around. A lot of things that people are saying about others and to others. And... It's a sad, sad story indeed. We are living in a world where guilt and shame is prevalent, but a world where guilt and shame does not have to be our experience. For those of you who appreciate the Jesus of old, the Yeshua as I call him, you can still keep him in all of his teachings because he had no part in the teaching of the church and all those negative energies. You can say goodbye to the negative theology and the dogma of the church, and, but keep all of his teachings about loving yourself and loving your neighbors and loving your enemies and living in the delights of the, what you were created to be. The divine is within you, and we'll be learning a lot more about that. 
Live above fear, live above guilt, live above shame, just as he taught. Discover the adventures of the Aramaic and live in gratitude, in celebration, discovery, and divine connection. Yes, that's all that awaits you and your choice to know. I think we're coming up on time for a break right now, so we're going to take a, a break here, and I'll be right back with you on the other side of three minutes. Seventh Wave Channel on the Voice America Network. Jim Stacy is the author of 11 books, including his first title, Jesus Was Not a Christian Healing the Shame and Fear from Man Made Theology. That book is available on Amazon. The other 10 books, which are titled A Healing Spiritual Journey, are available as downloads on thedivineiswithinus.com. When you visit that site, you may also download his CDs and articles, and you can also find out more about where Jim will be speaking, spiritual retreats, and vision quests. Visit www.thedivineiswithinus.com today. Jim Stacy's first book, Jesus Was Not a Christian, is available on Amazon.com. Discover what the church has been hiding for over 1,700 years. Find out why people carry the wounds of guilt and shame instead of the power of loving and being loved. Discover that you are part of the divine. Learn about the kingdom of heaven within you and find out why history has been twisted by those who slaughtered tens of thousands of innocent people. See why the real Jesus never said the words hell or sin. Jesus Was Not a Christian, available right now on Amazon.com. The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Be extraordinary. Be the change. You are listening to Beyond Religion, Your Life is Waiting. If you have a question or comment about our program, please send an email to the divine is within us at gmail.com. Again, that's the divine is within us at gmail.com. Now, back to the program. Here again is Jim Stacy. So we've been talking about a lot of the negativity from the history of the world and from the past and from the history of religions of all sorts. But I want you to know that all of the negativity uh, of the church and of religion uh, is not what we need to believe or to hang on to. The church knew that in order to control humans completely, they also had to create an answer to their dogma of fear. So they came up with another grand idea. After theologically creating the fear and the shame and the punishment, they also created the theological idea of salvation. Ah, yes, now there is for what we don't need to be afraid of anymore because if we only accept the dogma about salvation and the way to avoid punishment, according to them, we have no problems. Uh, or do we? They come up with all kinds of ideas from the old animal sacrifices of the Old Testament, made Jesus fit into all of that. And yet, Jesus, Yeshua himself, never ever taught that he came to the world to die because people are bad. He never ever said that, and I'll be proving that to you later as well when we look into the Aramaic more deeply. 
But one quote from him is this. He said, I have come to be a living example of the truth. He never ever mentioned the old animal sacrifice nonsense. But if we believe the church's new dogma about being so bad because we're, we've caused all this mess, then the only way we can escape punishment is to believe their dogma, then the problem is this. We must keep believing the lie about our wickedness and our badness. We have to keep going to church, according to them, keep confessing our badness, listen to those in authority, overlook all of their sins, and don't question what you hear. And also, be sure to bring your money, too, for you see, God needs money, they say. But why does that money, then, all go into the bank accounts of the church? Let's go back to the original premise for the show for a second. How can we learn to leave religion behind and walk free of guilt and shame? My question for you right now in this moment is, who has shamed you? How many people have shamed you? Who is it that has made you to feel guilty? And for what have they tried to make you guilty? Then, in the next and even more important question might be, why have you believed the lies that they were telling you? Was it people like parents, siblings, older people, the police, school teachers, government, society? Who was it? But the deeper question to understand is who taught them what they are trying to pass on to you and others? Where did they learn the negativity? Why did they believe the lies? Why, why do people need to put others down so they feel better about their own self? I'm going to ask you to think about that just for a minute. Who has shamed you? You have your paper and pencil there. I'd ask you to begin to write some of that down now, even as I share this with you. There'll be several steps ahead, seven steps in details of how we can begin this process. Not only who shamed you, but why do you think they did that? What might have been going on in their lives? How were they shamed? And then, then they needed to pass that on to you. Then ask yourself, <clears throat> is there any source of guilt and shame other than religion and those who learn from religion that they are bad and shameful. If there is, you can list that and deal with that too. From what has humanity learned to project its own guilt and shame and fear onto others? In my opinion, it is mostly religion. Yes, there are some good people in religions. I, I acknowledge that. Those who are really trying to do the best they can. And I will never uh, criticize or condemn them or in any way. But the groupthink of religion, we'll be talking about that in just a moment, where everybody is forced sort of into thinking in one way. That is what I have to speak about and what I have to, to list as the most uh, guilty, shall I say, <laughs> if I can use that word, uh, group of people that are, that are using shame and guilt to hurt you. But science does not teach guilt and shame. Mathematics, no, not there. Biology does not. Astrology, no, it's people. People do it. People who have learned about and experienced shame and fear and guilt from mostly religion, and then they have to pass it on to others. It's time to move beyond religion where your life is waiting for you to choose it, live it, enjoy it, celebrate it, and respect all others for doing the same. 
You can choose for yourself, or you can choose what I mentioned a minute ago, this groupthink. The dictionary says that groupthink is the practice of approaching problems or issues as matters that are best dealt with by consensus of a group rather than by individuals acting independently. Groupthink is conformity. It is the lack of individual creativity and the lack of personal responsibility. So just join a group and you don't have to be responsible for yourself any longer. If religion results in anything, it is the horrific idea of being pressured into thinking just like their group. But which group do we choose? Perhaps it is the one that best fits our predetermined self-image. What do you think? Is there really safety in numbers? There certainly wasn't in the, on the Titanic. But there's an old saying that says 50 million Frenchmen can't be wrong. Well, I've got news for them. Five billion Frenchmen can be wrong. Your choices are just as important as those of or of 50 billion other people anywhere. Your choices are for you to make, not for others to make for you. And today we see that there seems to be nothing quite as safe as a megachurch, where there's 30 or 40,000 people or more. As the church collapses today, no wonder their groups are getting bigger and bigger. They are only stealing people from other smaller churches. Oh, security and numbers, how great you are. There seems to be no feelings of fear when sitting amongst thousands of other group thinkers. I say only safety that is real is when we sit alone and connect with the divine deep inside. For that discovery and experience is the most meaningful of all. I found that, and I'll do all I can to share that with you. Then you get to choose how you'll connect with your deepest self and the divine. Don't follow me. Don't follow anybody else. You get to choose for yourself. All of our beliefs create a self-made bondage, a clinging to our own beliefs, usually with great amount of fear. And in all of that, it's easy to label other people's opinions as persecution instead of seeing that we need to learn from each other. Because when people have allowed their beliefs to become their identity, that is a problem. And yet we need to just be able to know that we're free to change our beliefs, to create a new way. The point is, the only way to change ourselves is to change our old beliefs. In just a few minutes, I'm going to be sharing with you several steps as to how you can begin this process for yourself. But there's something else we must include in all of our thinking, and that is that the ones who have harmed us are not the ones who can heal us. That is impossible. Yet how many times we have unconsciously hoped to find healing uh, coming from the one who has been the source of our wounds. We cannot. That will not happen. They have not the power to heal because they don't know how to heal. If so, they would have done so a long time ago. So no matter how much we try to overlook the wounds, to forgive others, or to somehow justify what's happened to us, our healing will not come from the source of our wounds the fear, the abuse, or the shame that they've embodied. We must look elsewhere. We must look beyond the religions of men. And you know, I never understood that as a child. I mean, how could I have? I just did all I could to appease the ones that were wounding me, but it never worked. 
even though at times it seemed a bit better, what I anticipated, what never anticipated rather, was that the other person that hurting me would once again be experiencing something in their own life that would trigger them. And in that moment, they couldn't help but wound me even further. In the midst of their own shame and fear, the next wounding could never be predicted. So what I had to learn was to establish boundaries, boundaries around me so that I didn't have to allow every word, every judgment, every condemnation to penetrate deeply into my soul. And there's a workshop years ago that I attended where I began to learn that. Every hurtful remark, instead of going deep inside of me, I could stop it at the, the front door, as it were, and say, no, this is not my choice. This is not my, uh, my circus, as I would say. And so I learned to, to listen to what people might be saying, but if what was coming at me was not good, I could stop it and say, no, you will not hurt me. To establish our boundaries and to live in a way where we're free of guilt and shame is a powerful way to say no one will wound me any further with their remarks. It's time for another break right now, so I'll catch up with you just as soon as we're back. The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Jim Stacy's first book, Jesus Was Not a Christian, is available on Amazon.com. Discover what the church has been hiding for over 1,700 years. Find out why people carry the wounds of guilt and shame instead of the power of loving and being loved. Discover that you are part of the divine. Learn about the kingdom of heaven within you and find out why history has been twisted by those who slaughtered tens of thousands of innocent people. See why the real Jesus never said the words hell or sin. Jesus Was Not a Christian, available right now on Amazon.com. Jim Stacy is the author of 11 books, including his first title, Jesus Was Not a Christian, Healing the Shame and Fear from Man-Made Theology. That book is available on Amazon. The other 10 books, which are titled A Healing Spiritual Journey, are available as downloads on thedivineiswithinus.com. When you visit that site, you may also download his CDs and articles, and you can also find out more about where Jim will be speaking, spiritual retreats, and vision quests. Visit www.thedivineiswithinus.com today. Be Visionary. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. You are listening to Beyond Religion, Your Life is Waiting. If you have a question or comment about our program, please send an email to thedivineiswithinus at gmail.com. Again, that's thedivineiswithinus at gmail.com. Now, back to the program. Here again is Jim Stacy. Yes, thank you for being with me today. And now I want to move to a section where I'm going to share with you the principles, seven of them, that can help us begin to take the steps to overcome the guilt and the shame. There's so much to be said about this, and next week's show is going to be all about it as well as we look at living beyond false guilt. But 
How do we begin to do it? We can't just sit down and think about it. We can't just read another book. We can't just listen to some guy on the radio. We've got to take some steps that will be helpful. So here's how I think we can begin. You take these thoughts and ideas and write them down, and you take them and make use of what works for you. You can always keep the best of anything and throw out the rest. It's kind of like eating chicken. You eat, eat the best and throw the bones out. So I'm going to share several thoughts with you, and you can take that and begin to work on letting go of the guilt and shame uh, that has been plaguing you in your life. So how do we begin to let it go? How do we tell the people that are bringing these things to our lives to, to go away and leave us alone? Number one, we need to be able to identify the roots of the guilt and the shame and the fear that has hurt us. So I suggest make a list of all the people that have shamed you in your past. Then take time with each one of those people and write down just exactly how they shamed you. What they said, where you think it came from, why do you think they had to do that? Write down then what lies do you know that they were telling you? What threats did you hear? And do this for each person. All the things that you remember, and then you will remember something more tomorrow or next week. But keep working with this list. What abuse did you endure from each person? Was it mental, emotional, physical, some kind of abuse? When did this happen? And in what times during their life or your life did this happen to you? And in what ways might it still be happening for you? So take time to write those down and begin working with them. It's very important to identify specific people and specific thoughts and comments or judgments that they made. Number two, you can write those details down in any way that you like. But the most important part is to choose exactly the lies that you are wanting to let go of. Make a list. This lie will go. This lie must go. That one must go. Identify exactly what people will no longer be an influence in your life. And you can do this any way you want. Some people we have to say goodbye. I no longer want to see you or talk to you. This is it. We've all had to do that at times. Some people can stay around, but we just tell them, no longer will I listen to the negatives that have been coming from you. So list each of those people and list also why you will no longer listen to their voice. Number three, then write down what it is that you're choosing. What new energies, new life patterns, what new way of choosing, what new way of thinking, what new way of being, or any new direction that you want to go? What is it that you choose to replace the old patterns? Some human experiences are good and some are not. But you know, there's a huge list of the kinds of energies and qualities of life that we really need. It's called, I say, a list of human needs. I first learned about this from a man named Marshall Rosenberg, who wrote a lot about nonviolent communication. And he said one day that everything we do, everything we do, we do it to meet some kind of inner need. And when I thought about that, I said, you know, he's right. So we have need inside. We have needs for respect, for adventure, for honor, needs for peace and affection. 
We need to belong. We need love and support. We need humor, dignity, harmony, emotional safety. We need effectiveness and creativity, trust and integrity, and a whole lot more. And I'll be sharing a lot more of those, too, on a a later show. You make a list of what it is that you need in your life and a list of what you do not need any longer. Now, I would suggest you find a place and a time where you can be alone for a few hours, a day if possible. A place in nature, I believe, is usually the best. But go there with the notes that you've made. Go there and make more notes. Go there with the questions that you've listed and the intentions that you are choosing for your new you. I like that, the new you. Silence the old voices. Speak out loud what choices you are making. Make a list and say the person's name out loud. You are no longer an influence in my life in this way. And if you choose to stay, it's going to change because I'm choosing to change myself. Now take time to talk to your highest self. Proclaim to yourself who it is that you're choosing to be. Do this in whatever way makes sense for you. Then speak your truth to the, to the divine as you understand that to be. Talk to that essence, that power, the source of your life, the, the spirit of the universe, whatever you call that, and speak out your truth. But remember this, no begging. <laughs> that is never needed. The divine is more eager to give you the best than even we are to get it at many times. So speak to the divine. There are no shoulds. None. This is your life, and you get to choose it. Tell the divine that you expect help. Yes, I meant that. Then add a thank you of gratitude that you have the power to choose. For there's not just one way to do this inner work. You and the divine are one. You get to create this time for yourself, and no one can tell you how you can do it. Just know this, that as you do this process, you're going to find that thank you is the only prayer that you'll ever need. I'll have another a whole show rather on this too in the, in the near future. Step number five, gather support for the choices you're making. Your significant other, your family members, friends of both sexes, co-workers, whoever will support you with no reservations. Tell them what you're replacing and what it is that you want to replace that old pattern with. Give them all the details that you're comfortable with. Of course, this will vary with each person. But ask them for help in remembering your choices. Ask them to check in with you periodically to see how you're doing and if there's any way they can further support you. You know how best to do that with each person. Number six, then ask the divine for further help. Remember, the divine is within you. Much more on this to come as well, because this is the central core of all that it means to leave religion behind and choose the life that is waiting for you. The divine is your best friend, your greatest supporter, the best confidant, and whatever it is that you need. The divine is you, and you are the divine. This is the greatest challenge we have to learn and to know. It's really quite easy, and it's quite simple in many ways. That negative, angry deity up in the sky somewhere just simply does not exist. Jesus never taught that. Yeshua, his Aramaic name, in all of he said, 
he never ever taught of some angry God up in the sky. So, number seven, invite all of your supporters to give you feedback. Build your own support group or team. Build a community of fellow travelers who can be of a support to you and you to them. Now I realize you may have many questions about all this, so you know how to get your questions to me. Just send me an email at the address you've heard throughout the show, and I'll do my best to answer you personally or right here on the show. I want to support you. I want you to know and to understand and experience what it is to set yourselves free from the old patterns A few years ago, I wrote a fairy tale about our human experiences and doing our inner work processes. I want to start reading that for you right now. We'll take a break somewhere in the middle of that, and then we'll come back. But it's a fairy tale about emerging from the shadow. This is what I wrote. Once upon a time, there lived two children near the edge of a mystical and magical forest. Their parents having been taken from them, these twins lived with an aunt who was known for her rather cantankerous ways. But from their parents, they had learned some powerful ways to overcome the surface issues of the visible world. Those ways were grounding and healing energies of drumming and singing and chanting, writing poems and reveling in the delights of sharing them together. After a time, when difficulties arose, they'd go into the forest, and there the children who found immense comfort for their spirits in doing all of these. Twins didn't understand why those activities were so meaningful, but just knowing and feeling the inner strength gained in those magical times, they continued their practices with great delight. In doing so, the unpredictable emotions of their treacherous and domineering aunt were navigated successfully a few difficult times here and there notwithstanding. Now, these twins had enjoyed most of their time in school, though often they found themselves bored with the rigidity of the classroom. Their teacher in that one-room schoolhouse, who had been there for quite a while, was one day replaced with a new schoolmaster. Now, it wasn't long before the twins realized that this new schoolmaster was possessed of some dark energies, just like their aunt, only much worse. He proved to be an angry, controlling, dark-side monster for whom you will obey was now the order of the day. And with their inner delight somewhat taken from them during the time spent at school, especially during the boring math lessons, the twins did what they knew best. They kept drumming and singing and chanting together. With that, they were able to remain mostly peaceful in the midst of schoolhouse madness, though it was becoming more and more difficult to do so. As the schoolmaster wielded his controlling energy more and more, he couldn't understand why these two were not terribly affected by his domineering spirit. All the other children were demonstrating an obvious fear of him in their acquiescence, rather, to marching by his drumbeat. Then one day at recess, the schoolmaster caught the twins in the back of the schoolyard, drumming and singing as if the schoolmaster didn't exist. In a flash of anger, he snatched away their drums and forbade them from singing on the school grounds ever again. With all that, he took their power away. And as a kind of darkness fell upon them, they floundered about in their confusion and their loss. Without the magic of their drums, they were not the same. Soon, they began to have difficulty with each other and found themselves quarreling and quite sad. The schoolmaster's effect was growing as his lies about who they really were constantly challenged what they'd previously known about themselves. As their inner voices were weakened and his energies getting stronger, 
Without their drums and songs, the twins were beginning to believe the schoolmaster's lies. As he bellowed, you are bad, you must obey, you must live by the rules, not your own stupidity. You have no value unless you do what you're told. Those lies and many more were getting louder and louder and more threatening with each passing day. Who are we, they wondered. What have we become, queried their weakened voices. As they were overcome with tears and longing for what had been lost, they found themselves walking down an old familiar path to the forest one day. Their inner anguish over their fate was more than they could bear. As they walked and wandered through the familiar parts of the forest, they suddenly realized that they were entering the deeper, darker parts of the forest where they had never been before. With a glance into each other's eyes and a hug of both love and reassurance and an affirmative twinkle in their eyes, hand in hand, they walked into the dark forest. It's time for another break right now. I'll continue on the other side of three minutes. The Seventh Wave Channel on the Voice America Network. Jim Stacy is the author of 11 books, including his first title, Jesus Was Not a Christian, Healing the Shame and Fear from Man-Made Theology. That book is available on Amazon. The other 10 books, which are titled A Healing Spiritual Journey, are available as downloads on thedivineiswithinus.com. When you visit that site, you may also download his CDs and articles. And you can also find out more about where Jim will be speaking, spiritual retreats, and vision quests. Visit www.thedivineiswithinus.com today. Jim Stacy's first book, Jesus Was Not a Christian, is available on Amazon.com. Discover what the church has been hiding for over 1,700 years. Find out why people carry the wounds of guilt and shame instead of the power of loving and being loved. Discover that you are part of the divine. Learn about the kingdom of heaven within you and find out why history has been twisted by those who slaughtered tens of thousands of innocent people. See why the real Jesus never said the words hell or sin. Jesus Was Not a Christian, available right now on Amazon.com. The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Seek greater awareness. You are listening to Beyond Religion, Your Life is Waiting. If you have a question or comment about our program, please send an email to the divine is within us at gmail.com. Again, that's the divine is within us at gmail.com. Now, back to the program. Here again is Jim Stacy. And back to our fairy tale as the twins just walked into the darkest part of the forest. A while later, as they sat down to rest on a huge boulder, Beside a very large log, suddenly fear began to overtake them as a large vine dropped out of the trees just in front of their faces. This was no ordinary vine. While it looked innocent enough, it was quickly joined by more and more twisting, gnarled vines coming closer and closer to them. Soon, their ability to move was greatly diminished. Terrified by the entrapment of the vines, their fear grew worse and worse as the vines began speaking to them and taunting them. Now the twins felt even weaker by the minute as they heard the same lies they'd heard from the tyrannical old schoolmaker and felt the same controlling energy from, as from their old aunt that they despised. 
as their strength diminished and their fear intensified. They heard the laughter behind the vines, a laughter that was all too familiar from the many times they had heard laughter coming at them. No amount of struggle could push the vines away. Nothing could silence the voices as the siblings became weaker and weaker. As the worst fear of all came over them, the fear of not surviving, suddenly they had a flash of memory. Then, in familiar unison, they almost shouted as a glimmer of hope arose from deep within them. Let's drum, they said, and with that inspiration they managed to slide down under the vines, drop to the ground. They picked up some very strong sticks and began drumming on the old log laying beside them. They drummed and they drummed and drummed louder and louder until they began to remember what they had lost. They kept drumming as they began to sing and chant once more. They filled that deep, dark forest with the sound of their drums and their voices. As they reclaimed their magical connections, they too reclaimed their own voices that they had once given them great inner strength. As their voices grew louder, they drummed and drummed even more as they listened once again to the ancient wisdom they had once known. That gentler and loving voice that had taught them to choose for themselves. And with that, their power to choose returned more than ever before. As each choice was given a voice, proclaimed with all their might, they came more and more strength from deep inside. The vines had no choice but to recede and move away from these reclaimed powers. But as the vines pulled back, the twins noticed that in the shiny surface of the leaves, they could see their own reflections. And with their reclaimed wisdom, they knew that each vine was a reflection of an inner part of themselves that they needed to see, embrace, transform, and let go. Tears of grief had been shed before, tears from the past of losing their parents, living with their aunt, and enduring the haggard old schoolmaster. But now their tears were no longer tears of loss and of bondage, but they were transformed into tears of freedom and celebration as they reclaim not just the parts of their past, but their own essence deep inside. They were now claiming themselves anew with what had just begun was the most powerful part of their lives. The twinkle in their eyes told it all. As the twins thanked each vine for showing up and revealing to them what needed to be changed, the vines pulled back even further. We just wanted you to hear us. You're free to go now, for we no longer have the power to keep you here. And then each vine thanked the twins for their loving energies and left them to further celebrate their regained magic. As the vines withered away, the twins danced out of the forest. With that, they experienced these new celebrations opening their inner doors to a freedom they had never known. And with that remembering, they left the bondage and the torment behind as they learned to walk each day in the strength and wisdom of their new selves, their new insights that they were ever increasing. As they returned to school, determined to speak their truth no matter what, to their delight, but not totally unexpected, the old schoolmaster had been replaced. Their former teacher, though ill for a time, had returned to be with them. Having heard their story, she immediately returned their drums, and the magic of their singing and chanting filled the air once more. In sharing their story with all the children, those who were once wounded were now bringing healing and celebration to others, and the twins knew that their story had just begun. I hope you can see yourself in that fairy tale. 
I certainly can see myself. I, I learned in, in somewhat the very same way to drum my own drum, to sing my own song. It, some of this happened for me soon after I began learning and studying the Aramaic language. And there was a time soon after that that I realized a whole new world was opening for my understanding. One day I was reading the Aramaic about the concept of prayer and an insight that changed everything I'd ever been taught about prayer began to take shape in me. I was told in the earlier years, just pray about it, you know, give all your problems to, to, to some God, whatever. But I learned by experience, I don't think God wanted my problems. But the Aramaic revealed a vastly different picture. It was so amazing, I had to study it further because in the Aramaic, a sense of prayer is not asking for anything. The Aramaic prayer is to empty myself of all that keeps me from receiving what's waiting for me. And that is such a beautiful concept. I'll be dealing with that too in detail in weeks ahead. So one day, I decided to deal with it, and I had to get away from it all. I went to the desert. I bought a ticket and went to the Baja of Mexico. And there, when I arrived, I spent time in meditation, went out driving to find a place where I could spend the next few days. And there, in the midst of the shrubs and the cougar tracks near the Pacific Ocean, I made a pile of stones upon which I could burn all that I emptied. Then many hours of doing my inner work, I spoke aloud all the fears I could think of, all the old attitudes that just didn't serve me any longer, all the shame, all the guilt, and as much of the old anger that I could bring to my consciousness at this time, all the why me questions, all the blame of others, all the negativity of so many years of just being religious, and so much more. As I emptied each item, I would speak it aloud, then think about how it happened, and I would empty all that was related to it. Something more would come up, and I did the same again and again. When my week was over, I knew that I was not finished with the emptying, but I knew I'd gotten started. I knew this was a practice that I was going to have to, and I wanted to practice for the rest of my life. That start was so beautiful, and the days ahead and the years that came after have been they've become more and more beautiful because this spiritual practice of emptying is not a one-time event, event rather. It is our lifetime of work to be done. So I want to share that with you to let you know that I do all I can to walk my talk. I do all I can to practice what I preach. I will never tell you, my listeners, anything that I am not practicing myself. And you can question me on that anytime you like by sending those questions to me. I want to be transparent. I want to be honest about what I'm learning, how I'm growing how I'm applying all the things that I've been sharing with you. One excerpt that I got out of a book from Wayne uh, Mueller, uh, his book called Legacy of the Heart, I just want to share with you briefly. He said in that book, You are not broken. Childhood suffering is not a mortal wound. It did not irrevocably shape your destiny. You need not remove, destroy, or tear anything out of yourself in order to build something new. Your challenge is not to keep trying to repair what was damaged. Your practice instead is to reawaken what is already wise and strong and whole within you, to cultivate those qualities of heart and spirit that are available to you in this very moment. Your life is not a problem to be solved, but a gift to be opened. 
there is such beauty and such power in those words. And as I've said, I'll be sharing much more of this with you in the weeks to come. But right now, I just want to thank you for listening to this show. And remember this. You can sit a lonely lifetime waiting on the porch for something to happen. A ship is safe inside the harbor, but is that what ships are for? I'll see you next time. Thank you for tuning into the program today. Please join Jim Stacy for another edition of Beyond Religion, Your Life is Waiting, next Tuesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, 12 noon Eastern Time on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. This week, let the divine work for you and with you. You're bound to experience a new life.